Welcome to the PKF O'Connor Davies podcast series on rights and responsibilities of board members in not-for-profit organizations. My name is Ron DeSouza. I'm head of business development for PKFOD, and we are attempting to provide you with some valuable resources that you can utilize in executing your responsibilities as a board member of your not-for-profit organization. Because it's so topical and in the news every day and such a threat to what we do as an organization and personally in our daily lives, we've chosen to present our first segment on cybersecurity. Uh, the segment will be uh, narrated by Thomas DeMeo and Mark Bednars, and we hope that you find it valuable. And we will be following it up with subsequent podcasts on different issues of interest to you. We thank you for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, and thank you for joining our Board Governance Podcast. My name is Mark Bednars, partner in charge of the Risk Advisory Practice. And with me today, I have Thomas DeMeo. He's the partner in charge of the cybersecurity practice here at the firm. Tom and I have worked on a number of engagements together, and I thought it'd be a great opportunity for us to talk about cybersecurity risk. Tom, thanks for coming. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. So let me just start off with responsibilities for an organization. We talk all the time about how IT is really driving the cybersecurity practice. And, you know, they do most of the heavy lifting that I see. Uh, they usually are the ones completing the cybersecurity risk assessment, the policies and procedures, configuring hardware and software, and working with third-party providers as well. But you know what? Management has its responsibility as well. They should be reviewing and approving these policies and procedures, making sure there's adequate funding as it relates to uh, financial resources and staffing. And the board also has a responsibility for overseeing the process. And that's the reason for our discussion today. So I'm just going to start kicking us off by just asking Tom a quick question. You know, you work with so many of these clients in regards to implementing cybersecurity programs. What are some of the challenges you see that the board should consider and evaluate while they're embarking on this process? So to start, I, I think you touched on a key component, and that's who's responsible for the cybersecurity program. Because like you said, you know, so many organizations look at this as an IT issue. And part of what, you know, we do when we do our assessments and we're communicating with boards is educating them that, yes, IT is part of the solution, right? But they don't own the problem, right? This is a business issue, specifically uh, a business issue that requires the assistance of a technical solution. And that, that, that is where it really lies in your difference. And it's getting management to understand that, they need to have their input. They need to have their oversight. A uh, prime example is uh, within the past month, you know, there was a financial services firm, a futures company, regulators came in. Uh, there was an, an incident where money went out the door and they started asking the chief compliance officer and the executives on, well, what is your cyber program? You know, how effective is it? And they couldn't answer it. And that became a red flag to the regulators because they're saying, well, look, you know, you own the responsibility. You have to know what your cybersecurity pro uh, program is and how effective it is. So, you know, first is, yes, this is a business issue, not an IT issue. And once you start to, to get your arms around that, that's where we can start to build our program. Now, once we accept it as a business issue, you know, I think this is where you have to step back, 
look at your organization and start to think about, well, what is our what is our risk level, right? And what do I mean by that? So what type of data do we process? Do we have compliance obligations? So whether we're healthcare and we have HIPAA, uh, we're financial services, we're, we have uh, Gramm-Leach-Bliley, uh, uh, we're processing credit cards and we have PCI, or just based on the nature of our business, we're touching a lot of personal sensitive information, social, uh, social security numbers and all those types of things. Once we understand that, that's going to dictate the extent of the controls we're going to put in play, right? You know, it, it's all about the data and understanding the risk of that data. And to a large degree, too, how do you value it? You know, whether or not certain data has compliance obligations, you know, part of the conversations I have with any company is, well, how do you value your data? You know, because once I understand that, again, I can start to help them shape their uh process on the types of controls and things that they should put in place. You know, are they comfortable with employees working from home using their own equipment and possibly downloading spreadsheets or, or uh, touching sensitive type documents? You know, these are all questions uh, that have to come into play. So basically, cybersecurity program itself is, has a start date, but really it shouldn't have an end date, right, Tom? Correct. Uh, because it's a continuous process. It's not something that you just start and end it and then you're done and you put the policies on, a, on the bookshelf and that's it. You have to constantly monitor uh, processes. You probably need to also update policies and procedures, business strategy changes. You may do an acquisition, right? You have to bring in that company into the fold and making sure those controls are in place there as well. Uh, so, you know, again, this is not something that is just a project. And when you think about it, the risks themselves are constantly evolving, right? There's a myriad of risks that are intertwined with cyber fraud. You know, there's financial, reputational, operational, regulatory risks. And I know, Tom, you just talked about, you know, uh, New York DFS and some of the other one, GLBA and uh, uh, European Union's uh, GDPR. So there's definitely cybersecurity, data protection, privacy laws that are out there. Uh, so obviously it's very complex. So I know you and I both worked on a, a insurance company not too long ago, I'd say about two or three months ago. And one of the topics that the audit chairman brought up was the idea of having a, a CISA, right, a chief information security officer. Uh, they were thinking about outsourcing that, you know, what we call the VCSO service. Do you have any thoughts on whether an organization should move forward? Right, He was a little bit hesitant. What's your thoughts on that? Sure. So I think first, let, let's define what a virtual CISO is, right? A, a chief information security officer. Virtual in the sense that, you know, they're not dedicated. So they're not a full-time employee that effectively is going to become another, you know, full-time employee expense. Now, every company, you know, whether your size has to really, again, start to think about to what extent do we want to manage this issue, right? Because, again, it, it, it is an issue, and it, it, the whole cybersecurity privacy issue is something that, that's not going to go away. Do we want to allocate a full-time resource, or do we want to create a CISO-as-a-service type model where, again, we're paying for a part-time professional that's skilled in this area, but that could lend the same benefit? Now, whether you go the VCSU route or the, the full-time employee, I think is largely in part going to be dependent upon how sophisticated and how complex of an organization you are. You know, if you're hundreds of employees, multiple sites, heavy regulations, global footprint, 
at this point in this day and time, yeah, you probably want to start thinking about a full-time CISO. But look, the small to medium sector, you know, when you think about the number of businesses that are out there, there's a lot more small to medium businesses than there are Fortune 500 companies. And when you're a small to medium business, it may not make economic sense to have the expense of a full-time CISO, right? There might not be enough for them to do. And quite frankly, the cost might exceed the benefit, right? Because you're going to look at the cost-benefit relationship. This is where I think looking at a VCSO is a perfect opportunity to have the resources and the skill set in place to, one, help you understand the risk and help you manage the risk, but again, on a part-time basis. So you're not you're not committing to that full-time expense. Now, when you th- start thinking about a VC, so, you know, because again, this is something that every company out there that offers IT is offering this VC, so service. You really have to look at who, what that company is and really the skill set of the person that they're claiming is going to, you know, provide this. If you can get a professional uh, with a professional firm that has the experience, that understands the compliance obligations, that understands the cyber landscape, uh, has that advisory experience, then there could be a lot of value in, again, outsourcing that component. Thanks, Tom. I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you. Uh, both you and I talked about GDPR and, you know, again, a lot of these regulations out there has a cybersecurity component to it, but obviously there's a legal component addressing the privacy aspect of it. So I wonder if maybe you can just talk a little bit about privacy laws and regulations. Sure. You know, privacy has become one of those things that, you know, this is this has really become your next hot topic uh, from a boardroom discussion uh, to the regulators. Uh Privacy has become an issue. And, you know, I think this all stems back to the Facebook and the Cambridge Analytica and and people starting to realize, you know, there's a lot of companies out there handling personal data in ways that isn't transparent and and ways that could be uh, harmful to the consumer. So, you know, I think the first thing is we have to look at privacy and cybersecurity, you know, kind of envisioning your mind. You got these two circles, right? You got privacy in one, you got cybersecurity in the other. They intersect. Right. And where they intersect is where your data is going to be. They're two separate areas, but they impact each other. Right. You can't have privacy without cybersecurity. And, you know, I, I think we've definitely spoke about the cybersecurity side of it. Now, privacy really gets into the handling of, of, the, of, of the personal data. Right. How do you collect it? How do you use it? Why do you collect it? Who are you sharing with it? And, of course, how do you protect it? You know, I think with what we're seeing in the landscape, right? Started with the EU with the GDPR. Now we're seeing it stateside where we have uh, the California regulation, the CCPA. Uh, New York just came out with their New York Shield Shield Act, Stop Hacks and Improve Electronic uh, Data Security, which all has these privacy elements. This is something that if you're not impacted now, somehow or some way, you will be impacted by a privacy regulation. Because with the way these regulations are really being written, you know, again, you look at California, you look at the GDPR, you look at the New York Shield Act, you know, their territorial scope extends beyond the state. So, you know, you could be a company that's in Kansas, but if your business collects personal information from California or New York, well, now you're subject to both the California and the New York privacy laws, right? So somehow, somewhere, you're going to get looped into this. And I think what you're seeing even in uh, Silicon Valley is that, you know, you got a lot of these tech companies, and, and I think even in the States, 
almost looking to the feds to kind of start to put an overarching law because what's going to happen is you're going to get all this fragmentation and it's going to become very hard uh, to deal with. However, I think there is a, a practical way to get ahead of this. And I think the first thing you have to do is visit your privacy policy, right? Do you even have a privacy policy? You know, where is it? Is it on your website? And a lot of times what I see with, with companies when they put their privacy on policy on the website is it's so centric to just the website, the cookies, the analytics, but it misses the whole component of who they are and what they do with that data outside of the website, right? If you're a hospitality entity, yeah, you might do website analytics, but you know, you're also collecting data for the processing of reservations. You're touching data when they walk up to the counter. You know, these are all things that have to start to be transparent. And again, to position yourself, you want to start to embrace privacy by design and by default. Be transparent, understand your data, understand why you're collecting it, if you should be collecting it, uh, minimizing where you could. And again, having the cybersecurity elements. You know, if you foundationally build out a strong uh, privacy and cybersecurity program, quite frankly, it's not going to matter. It doesn't matter what the regulation is going to be. Foundationally, you're going to be strong, right? And, and this is part of what I advise companies, whether I'm, I'm advising them on the cybersecurity side or the privacy side or both. You know, it's, it's let's make you foundationally strong because if I can make you foundationally strong, it doesn't matter what the compliance obligation is. You're going to be either meeting it already or, or you're going to be pretty close. Oh, this was great. Thanks for the uh, comments on the privacy side of the house. So I just want to give us our final thoughts here on what, you know, the board should consider. You know, when you think about it, the board should really make sure they understand that cybersecurity is an enterprise-wide issue. Uh, and a focus in understanding the legal implications we just talked about, you know, GDPR is an example, and that you have adequate access to cybersecurity experts, whether it is actually in-house, your CIO, or you have your CISO in-house, or use a VCISO situation here, an outsource provider. And making sure that, you know, cybersecurity is giving a regular and adequate time at board meeting agendas. And then finally, really setting expectations of management, making sure they have adequate funding and staffing to address security-related risks. Uh, I just want to thank Tom for participating in today's podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. This has been fun, and, and hopefully uh, a lot of boards and senior management will, will, will get value out of this conversation. And I want to thank everybody else for, for listening to today's discussion on cybersecurity, and hopefully you'll join us for another future podcast.